Was what was he doing last week? I don't. I, don't I, I can never remember. Like I know he's I off know. every other week, but yeah, he's every other week. So yeah, it might be just the Gomer Taylor show. There's nothing wrong with that. We're awesome, dude. We're amazing. If you say so. It's the live pre-show. This is what we're talking about. What we're gonna do on the show, y'all. Uh, segment one. I got a few things. Star screen. Star screen. Oh, that's pretty uh, good. Yeah, he's rad, dude. Uh, we can talk about DC Universe, uh, more Peach Momoko, Savage Avengers, first look. That'll be fun. David Petbos is awesome. Uh, we'll, and then we'll get deep into that round robin. Uh, DC's doing another round robin this year. Uh, so we'll talk about all those books. And then Moon Knight, first episode of Moon Knight. I don't think we'll have much to say. It was kind of a lean episode. It was kind of just introducing people to his shtick, you know? Everything up. Yeah, set everything up. Uh, I had a great moment of destruction, but we'll skip it because Adam Normal's not here. And then, yeah, top three. It was kind of light this week. Um, I got a surprise book on... Actually, I got like two surprise books on there and then Immortal X-Men because I did manage to read Immortal X-Men even though I don't know what happened. It was missed or... Some people didn't get it. I didn't read anything about it, but man, it was fucking fantastic. Holy shit, it was great. Uh, anything else, man? Did you see Morbius? You gonna talk about Morbius? I haven't seen Morbius yet. Um, Nobody has seen Morbius. Nobody. I'll probably get around to it eventually. I got, uh, yeah. you know, I got the, like the movie pass, so I can just go see it for free when I got a I mean, got some time, but. Literally, we could say, oh, there's a Frankenstein in here who f- steals Santa's sleigh and chases Morbius to the sky. And no one would be able to refute me because no one has seen this fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good, but I'm hoping that it'll be enjoyably bad. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyably bad. Well, I, you know, I don't that, know like, if that works for superhero movies anymore. I suppose. Movies, well, that, you know? I guess that's true. It's like we do have a much higher set of expectations for comic book movies now. There's we expect them to be like, now. yeah, we expect them to be like, you know, Endgame, part of the bitch. cultural zeitgeist, you know? Exactly. Marvel has, in a way, kind of ruined the fun comic book movie. I mean, look at the heavy metal Hellboy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that movie, except it's not the original Hellboy. And Marvel's kind of ruined us. You know, for some of that shit. I don't know. Shazam didn't take itself seriously, you know, and it still was a hit. So, yeah, I don't know. But it was more geared to, like, be a kid's movie, you know. Heavy Metal Hellboy was definitely not a kid's movie. So, I don't know. Anything else? You got nothing? This is a light um, I did go see that Lost City movie, which it oh, was fine. Well, you can talk about that. You can talk about that. I suppose, sure. Yeah. It's number two movie of the week after Morbius this week. Uh, all right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about. Yeah, let's do this. I watched some of these today while I was reading mm-hmm. my comics for background noise. Some old movies. Oh, yes. I hate this. It yep. is revolting. More? Please. That's us in a nutshell. Uh, but yeah, I, I watched some of those. They're releasing the um, Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Cut on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, really? About, yes, and I'm thinking about getting Paramount+. Plus. There's other cool shit on there, but it's for that. Oh, greetings, geeks. 
another episode of this Geek and Comics Outright Geekery's comic book shit talk show. Shit talk show. It's Gomer and Taylor. Gruesome twosome. Uh, what did I want to show off segment one? Uh, I did okay. get the coronation. Starscream. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you've been showing it off on your uh, on your video feed there longer than he was actually in the movie already. Uh, yeah. But that was the whole gag, I guess. But yeah. yeah. And he comes with a throne, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he's pretty fun. He's the regular, you know, mold, regular paint of the of every other Starscream action figure. It's a different head, just so the crown fits. The crown, these whatever, what are those shoulder pads called? Something pauldrons. pauldrons. Yeah. yeah. It comes with two extra uh, little blasters here. Because, I mean, there's two for the pauldron, and then there's two if you don't want him to have the pauldrons. And then he's got this cool cape. The cool thing about the cape is the cape actually has some some motion to it, some articulation. So that he can kind of, like, be, like, furloughing, you know, whatever, his, his cape. Doing, like, the tuxedo mask thing there. Yeah, right? Like, hello! Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's more effort than I thought they were going to put into the cave. So, honestly, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a really cool figure. I'm really glad he finally, finally got here. And it completes my original Seekers collection, Skywarp and Thundercracker over there. We won't even talk about them in that 86 movie. We won't even talk about them. And I got this today. Oh, rad. Yes, this is the anniversary sort of edition. Uh, everything goes to the Hero Initiative. They only made 7,000 of them. Uh, it's going for 200 bucks on eBay right now. But, uh, yeah, this was kind of like the dying wish of George Perez, kind of in a way, you know, for Marvel and DC to not really let bygones be good bygones. But, I mean, when they made this originally, Marvel and DC were in terrible shape. Okay, they were coming off of the worst time the comics industry has ever had, possibly outside the pandemic when it was completely shut down. But um, this helped them bounce back. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to see. Yeah. Uh, But reds don't transform. This is not a red, Gabriel. And thanks for stopping by, Gabe. Really appreciate it. This is not a red. No, reds don't count as transformers because, alas, they do not transform. Although it's right in the name. Yeah, they got some really cool like statues and shit that don't transform that I would really like to get my hands on. Um, but yeah, last thing I got, and then Taylor well, just I guess like movie. I guess just real quick about JLA Avengers. Like, oh, in sure. addition to being like a novelty, right? Where like they have this is like one of the only times you're ever going to see these characters actually put together on the page. In addition to it being a bit of like you know history. Yeah. It's also just good. This is an yeah. actual good crossover. The story is actually legitimately very true to the character. It's or characters, I should say. Yeah. Um, it's it's the best kind of fan service where like the people writing it and creating it, especially obviously George Perez. Yeah, it was a labor of love for them and that really comes across. Uh, my favorite aspect of this is the and the genius of George Perez is anyone who's a longtime Marvel and DC reader knows the difference between the way they draw these characters. I don't care who you are. If you're an artist, you draw your Superman different than you draw your Captain America, even though they're basically the same guy. One's got different color hair. You know what I mean? They, there's just a difference. George Perez understands that subtlety in this like no one else. 
it's amazing. You know, it's yeah. just very subtle. But like you said, that just comes from the labor of love and them. I mean, yeah, like we were us talking being so passionate about about comics. We had occasion recently to talk about like George Perez and like his place in like you know comic book creator history. No one else could have drawn that book. Mm-mm. I can't think of a single other person who would have had the talent and the passion, you know, to yeah. make this really good. I mean, and we can talk about Alex Ross, but Alex Ross doesn't draw any of these characters like anybody. Alex Ross only draws like Alex Ross. And that's not a die. That's not a yeah. dig oh, I mean, guy. When I say but that, I don't would, necessarily mean that like, do this. there's certainly a, a plethora of really talented artists, but like no one could have brought like all these characters like sprawling across the page, like especially in the last few chapters where it's just, it's fucking everyone. It's nuts. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun, dude. Uh, but yeah, last on my segment one, I got a dog, Annie, a uh, shelter dog. She came home Aww. last week. So yeah, she's cool. She already had to have a surgery or something, but she recovered from that pretty quick. And she's fun. She's dumb as rocks, but that's a dog, right? That's how it works. Well, true enough. But hey, they're loyal companions, damn it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. Uh, awesome. And you went and saw Lost City. I don't have a graphic for the Lost City because I didn't. That's okay. I saw that movie. It was pretty solid. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's like, a rom com. No, it is a rom com, but a reasonably funny rom com. Like I feel like a good balance between the rom and the com, which yeah. you know you don't always get. Like <sighs> there are I, plenty of quote unquote romantic moments, but there's also moments where it's like, oh, that was genuinely funny. You know, well, that's cool. I've heard it compared to uh, Romancing the Stone a little bit with maybe more stone and less romance. I've never seen that, so I don't know. Oh, that's a classic, bro. It's 80s classic. I was about to say, it was made before I was born, so yeah, yeah I, just, I don't know that one. What the hell? Let's go to the news. <laughs> we got some pretty good news this week. Actually, it is a really light news. It's really light, you know. Everybody's getting ready for their summer events. They've all been teased. There's really nothing left to tease. Once the summer events start, you know, once Dark Crisis and Judgment Day start, even dude, you see that riff they had in Immortal X Men about Judgment Day, Sinister's list. He was shitting on the spelling. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh-huh. so good. He made my week. Thank God for Mister Sinister. My week in comics would have been. Mr. Sinister is always fun, especially in the hands of a talented writer. Well, we can talk more about that later. Uh, so, yeah, uh, DC Universe is going global. Now, this is important. Why? At Fandome, that was like one of their big things that they were pushing. And we're seeing more and more of that in their line, that they are going international. You know, they're getting uh, a more diverse cast of characters, more diverse uh, writers and, and shit like that, even though most of them are TV and screenwriters, you know, whatever. But the uh, news came out uh, at the 25,000 comics on this platform is live now in Canada, March 29th. It's coming to Australia, New Zealand, and then the end of April, UK, Brazil, and Mexico this summer. This is a huge deal. It's eight bucks a month for all of their comics. And honestly, with the, I, I mean, and the only reason this is like big news to me is because we've been talking a lot lately about digital comics and, comiXology and the changes that amazon has made where are people going to go to get their comics well this is where you go um six months you have to wait before the comics are actually on oh between uh shelf date and uh online date 
That has to change. That has to I change. I get why they would be doing that to try to appease the comic shop owners, but that is not really going to be sustainable, I think. I don't think that there is a person alive who is going to be like, I want to run out to my comic shop in the third week that a book has been out and go get it. Unless they were already going to get that book anyway and just missed it. They're not going to get any new comic book people to get these. You know what I mean? Um, first issues, maybe I could see waiting a little bit. But as soon as that second issue comes out, the first and second issue should be available. I'm sorry. Like by the next week. You know, it needs to be quick. If they really want to attract people, I just, I just don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing an angle here. Comic books to me, in a in a in a weird way, have become almost a collectible, in a way. Um, sure, I still love reading them. I still like the experience of having a paper comic in my hand, but I definitely don't need it. Um, digital is more convenient. It's it's cheaper in just about every single way to distribute and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean. <sighs> I get it, Gabe. I honestly. Don't. I mean, I get. I'm. I'm more of a purist myself, but I. It's hard to deny the con- obvious conveniences of doing it digitally. You yeah. know. Well, let's talk about what a lot of the uh, of the purists, you know, dislike about the comic book industry right now. Okay. Uh, events aside, because that's a pretty big beef, but constant relaunches. We're going to talk about another relaunch later on in, in the news segment. Why do they do that? Why? Well, they get like it's because it's not going to get any new readers to come in if you think like, oh, I got to pick up Hulk number eight hundred fifty-five. Exactly. You know, exactly, and that's true. But there's another aspect there that comes to the way shops order, the way people pick up number ones, the introduction of new characters, uh, variant covers, all of these things. But they all basically appease appeal to the collector and not the reader. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if the having the paper in your hand experience is enough to keep comic books going in the way that they're going. And I think both Marvel and DC image too really need to come up with a better plan. Perhaps digital, for well, digital comics. The original thing I had against digital, but this was years and years ago, was that it did not always translate well to the screen that like sometimes it was just zoomed in too much or zoomed in too out. And like, you can't really experience the artwork and the layout as intended, but I think they've gotten a lot better about that. That has improved. Yeah. I mean, that's less of an issue than it was before and presumably will continue to be even less of an issue in the future. I mean, with everything moving to these virtual worlds, the metaverse, AR, VR, comics, I think could be on the forefront of some of that. If they really, really went, you know, digital really, really went for it. Um, alas, man, imagine Marvel selling NFTs. Shit. DC's already doing it. Yeah. Speaking of Marvel and digital comics, um, we were talking last week on the Monday show, they released a uh, print version of a comic. Um, what was it called? Like latitude or something that yeah, X-Men. At, yeah. It was all but, right. It was a Hickman. Well, book. anyway, I, I just mentioned that because that was an example of a, story that was adapted specifically to being told on the screen. And so that's the biggest name in comics right now who is doing that. So are we going to see more and more art done with the screen in mind first and foremost? 
Yeah, I think it's more of a gimmick, but I would be okay with it. Oh, know? that was a gimmick, but I'm just saying, you know, like that is yeah. an example of how more and more artists, sure. not necessarily at Marvel and DC, but, you know, in the wide world at large, are starting, yeah, they are starting to consider the formatting that they need to do to make these things digital friendly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll have more on that when more, you know, digital shit. Anyway, uh, Peach Momoko still got shit going down. Still doing her thing. Just really loving that. Uh, if they went VR, that might hook me. Well, you know, and it would be a different experience. It wouldn't actually be reading comics. You know, digital paper, you're basically still doing the same thing. You're reading a page of a of a piece of art that is sequential. Sequential storytelling through art. VR, I don't know. Are you still – that's a movie at that point, isn't it? I mean – Motion is the VR like you have like a digital comic virtually in your hands or is it like I'm going through a screen show, you know? That's what I was thinking, like augmented reality. You know, like it would be a digital comic, but you would actually look down in your hand and your hand you, you would turn. You know what I'm saying? You would actually turn it and the glasses would have you see the digital comic. That sounds That's more appealing happening. than it's just That's like, happening. you know, you being like holding like a uh, what do you call those like those uh Little viewfinder things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, good question, Gabe. I don't know. We'll have to just wait and see. Momoko, uh, probably the biggest artist at Marvel right now in terms of a person who sells comics. Um, no matter what she touches, whether it's her series here, always in the top ten for the month that they come out. And her covers are big sellers man i'm already so delighted like looking at her civil war rendition here you know yeah that's basically what this is demon wars the iron oh yeah i mean we got cap and iron man there in the front and then you know you can go down the list here but um yeah it's interesting how her her approach to comic book storytelling is really unique and i think a lot of times that's eclipsed because she's such a damn good artist well, it is true that she is a better artist than a writer. We, I really liked all these Demon Day stories that she was doing, but they were kind of tropey. They were kind of, you know, anime boilerplate, but yeah. Yeah. they did absolutely look gorgeous. And there's nothing wrong with the story, you know? Yeah, and she's sort of pulling from folklore, which I think is That's really true, and that was important. often my favorite part, was like yeah. looking at her uh, encyclopedia entries at the end of the books, you know? Yeah. Letting me know about different yokoi, you know? So this is going to come out July 13th. Uh, yeah, this will be a winner. That'll be a fun book. That'll be a fun book. Uh, all right, a book coming out a little earlier. March, April, May. Yeah, May. Is that right? Anyway. May Are you 4th. trying to remember the order of the months? I mean, what the no, hell? No, I'm, I'm trying to remember if this is the right date or not. I have my date written weird. Oh, whatever. We got Conan. I have the year like. first. I have the year first. So I'm thinking it, that can't be April 5th. It has to be May 4th. Right? Anyway, um, April 4th. 5th would be a Tuesday. So yeah, so that's not, not going to work. All right, yeah. so all right. I, I was just – I had my date written weird in my notes. Whatever. Uh, it looks like look, Savage Avengers, right? Yeah, Savage Avengers. It's David Pipos who's been just a great writer, a guy I've been keeping my eye on. Uh, interviewed him uh, at least twice, maybe one time. And then the shop I know interviewed him once when they were doing the show, but I may not have made it to that episode. Anyway, cool guy. Carlos Magno is doing the art. And uh, yes, Avenger Avengers continuing. I wanted to mention this because it looks fucking great. The art in this just looks phenomenal. And I'm really glad. A lot of times they'll bring on a new writer, an indie writer who's making the jump, you know, to, to Marvel. And they give him a shitty book. 
This is not a shitty book. This book no. was wildly popular when it was canceled. Yeah, I mean, this book was one of the best things they had going for a really long while here. It was and fucking cool. I really like that image of Cloak back there because all too often Cloak is just like, you know, he's like, he's the teleporter guy, but he has like a whole fucking tormented dimension inside of his fucking cloak, you yeah. know, and that really comes across there. Yeah, hopefully they're going to lean into that, but just a, a motley crew of cool characters that that they're giving to Papos for this. Uh, who they got? Daredevil, Annie Venom, Weapon H, Black Knight, Cloak and Dagger. Uh, what? Okay. These seem like just cast-offs from recent cool ideas that other writers had. But, man, this dude's going to turn shit into sugar. I'm really excited for this. And they're fighting Deathlock, so... I don't know. Deathlock's like the guy of the, of the minute, I guess. All right. Deathlock is one of those characters where, like... He has recognition amongst comic readers, and he's very versatile. You can basically just throw, like, zombie robot man into, like, fucking anything, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, he's like Kang. He's like this time travel excuse, you know, a walking yeah, machina or whatever. All right, the choice is yours. DC Round Robin 2022, round one, March 29th, 16 titles to vote on. Um, You got to go to the social medias to vote on these, all right? But we're going to talk about every damn one of them at least oh did i delete the image shit hope not oh well no i still got them all written down don't worry yeah i don't know what happened to it oh well uh anyway there's the logo uh hawkman and hawkwoman the changeling versus wildcat new lives uh hawkman and hawkwoman have never had children they know that for a fact then who is hector hall the hot-headed razor-winged teen who claims to be their son Dun, dun, dun. It sounds like Jerry Springer episode or Mari Povich <laughs> episode. Um, Hawkman, you are not the father. You know? Yeah, you know, we were going to talk about the new Shang-Chi, but I just decided to, to not talk about it because I don't know. Is it Gene Luen Yang? It again? is. It is. They're just. Man, remarkable. this is like the fifth yeah. like, new title under the base that's basically been one continuation of the same title that they've been doing yeah here. it really has been dude it's stupid anyway uh wildcat nine lives wildcat spent eight of his nine lives showing the ropes to some of dc universe's heavy hitters and he's got the scarred knuckles and reset bones to prove it now but now he's only got one more life to go how fearless would you be if you knew it was your last trip the thing about this is they're not telling us who the any of the writers are on this i guess that's by design right are we just voting on the concept then? Yeah, just voting on the concept. I guess it makes sense that you don't assign a writer and an artist until like you know you're actually making the book. Yeah. Uh, the questions. What happens? A grand solution. What happens when people from all walks of life are activated as faceless vigilantes, each forced to solve an alternate reality game where the stakes are life and death? That's Whoa! So like sleeper so questions. Far. Yeah, there's questions that. that- Sounds intriguing, I gotta say. But. Yeah. Constantine and the Demon vacation from hell. Uh, Arcane Guile meets Hellish Fury. John Constantine is forced to play host to Etrigan the Demon, and the pair embark on a deeply personal and potentially apocalyptic mission. Journeying back home to Liverpool, Constantine must confront ghosts from his past. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds but, pretty cool. Yeah. Suicide Squad Dark, a team of occult misfits and monsters assembled by Amanda Waller and led by vampire Batman are forced into a mind-melting suicide mission 
to assassinate Earth-13's League of Shadows. Good that sounds gravy. so stupid. That sounds dumb. I mean, that could be fun, stupid, but yes, yeah. that does sound incredible. Is that like Vampire Batman, like... I don't the, know who the fuck Vampire Batman is. I don't know. It, is that was like an Elseworld story from like a yeah. million years ago. Yeah, is that who we're talking it about? Is it Dark Blood or something? Right? Didn't he die at the end of that? I have no. no I don't man, remember he's that. He's Whatever. I mean, even if he did, they can just bring him back if they want um, to. I guess. But this one's called Ju- and that's uh, so it's uh, Suicide Squad Dark versus Justice League Redacted. Green Arrow has watched many heroes, the great, the good, the kind, to be forever scarred by the darkness. They swear to fight. That makes no sense. Rather than sit by and let any more of his friends fall to the festering abyss, he decides to create a Justice League Black Ops team of fighters who can survive a few more shadows. Because as far as he's concerned, they may they may already be lost. So it's Nemesis, Killer Frost, Manhunter, Metamorpho, Cheshire, and Green Arrow. And I guess I guess it's like uh, what is that X Force? But for the I was about to say, yeah, that sounds like the uh, Justice League's X Force. Sounds dumb. Sorry, Firestorm, Fourth World Problems. When Ronnie Raymond and Jason Rush uh, make the startling discovery that the Firestorm makes it contains a spark of the life equation. Uh oh, Darkseid and his army turn their sight towards the teenage nuclear heroes. Mm. But can Ronnie and Jason put their differences aside? And combine into Firestorm. Lame. I don't like Firestorm at all. I think that's a that's a dumb character. I don't know. Firestorm's got stupid. There's like potential to that. I, I think it. I think he's stupid. All right. Versus Firestorm versus. This is like Mortal Kombat. Kid Flash, the speed of fear. Reverse Flash melds with Parallax in an unprecedented combination. I'm sorry. I don't even know if I can go any further. That does sound like a really random fusion dance yeah. to take place there. This is like the editor for the round robin, like emailed everybody, and one of them was like, "Oh shit, I forgot I was supposed to come up with with some idea for this." How about Reverse Flash and Parallax team up? Um, a confused and isolated Kid Flash, Wallace West, must chase uh, Thawne across a variety of alien worlds. And you know, I shouldn't say that. Whoever came up with that idea probably worked really hard on it. You're just being a huge dick, yes, but I mean that does sound like a a bit of an odd mixture, just because. Okay, so bringing in the Reverse Flash and having that face off against Kid Flash that makes sense to me, but Parallax, as far as I'm aware, has nothing to do with the Flash, so that just seems like kind of an odd pull, you know? Yeah, one hundred. That being said, I mean that would be a very daunting opponent to have to face. It would be. Oh, for sure. Not the one I would vote for. A Black Canary, when canaries cry. When Black Canary intercepts an intelligence operative trying to deliver sensitive material on an encrypted disk, she finds herself plunged into the world of espionage to contend with an international consortium known only as Mysterium. All right, so it's a Black Canary plays Black Widow. Or, yeah, basically. Uh, basically, yeah, it sounds like cool a Black Canary spy thriller. And Yeah, that could be fun. That could be fun. Green Lantern, the light at the end of forever, uh, a dark, far future, a galaxy gripped by tyranny when an elderly farmer in a backwater system is brutalized by the latest thugs with jetpacks and jackboots to call themselves lawmen. He remembers a forgotten past, an era of champions, a cadre of noble peacekeepers long since vanished. His name, he's sure of it, is John Stewart. Okay, so what? Uh, whatever happened to the Green Lantern Corps? So it sounds so like Green Lantern the end, basically. Yeah, it sounds like whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and they actually have whatever happened to the Green Lantern Corps. 
you know, that's in the. Yeah, the I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely the like, road. yeah, they're definitely like, you know, telling us exactly what we're expecting there. But um, yeah. Uh, moving on, DC Horror presents Ghost Tour from Hell. A frantic mother begs for Madame Xanadu's help in finding her missing son. Last seen on a ghost tour with friends, Xanadu's uh, reading reveals there's a nefarious being behind the disappearance. Enlisting the help of the demon Etrigan and Dead Man. That's cool. Etrigan is getting around. This one does yeah, sound kind of cool. Around. Give that boy a, a, a series. Uh, well, I mean, two people are trying to, I yeah. guess. The trio quickly realized that they're uh, on a ghost tour from hell and they're no match for the supernatural kidnappers. It sounds like an episode of Supernatural. Like kind of, I mean, I I think I might read that. Yeah. What is that I'll one up against? out Etrigan, dude. It's hard to write him. You got to be Eminem to write fucking Etrigan. Well, I mean, I think he can work pretty. I think he works better in like a team setting, and that sounds like what yeah. we're getting here, right? He can bounce off of Xanadu and uh, Dead Man. Yeah, I love and Dead Man's a lot of fun. I like yeah. him as a character. Yeah, uh, Animal. That's that's versus Animal Man, the Metamorphosis. Buddy Baker, aka Animal Man, has serious problems. His home life is in shambles. His daughter's powers are awakening, and the world needs him, but he's stuck. He needs change. Soon, Animal Man will enter a cocoon, and when the metamorphosis is complete, what will emerge? That sounds weird. I like Animal Man, though. You know, I do Lemire like Animal did a Man. Run on Animal Man, it was great. Yeah, Animal Man has a big pedigree behind him. You know, there's obviously the Grant Morrison run, and yeah, Lemire did a lot of stuff with him. Yeah. Uh, now it's Green Lantern: The Birth of Conspiracy. In 1947, three events kindled America's fascination with UFOs: the Men in the Black, the Men in Black, flying saucer sightings, and the Roswell crash. Three low-level government employees tasked with monitoring superheroes realized that one person was at all three events: the Green Lantern, Alan Scott. He hasn't been seen since. That's my vote. That sounds dope. That does sound pretty cool. Kind of, it seems like it's kind of combining cool. your uh, Department of Truth a little bit with. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I love that shit, though. I love that sort of shit, and it kind of fits. You know, the yeah, the, it's historical conspiracy with Alan Scott. Yeah, that's a that's a cool book. Uh, and that's versus Captain Carrot and his best friend Darkseid. The inter, inter pardon me, the interdimensional space epic no one asked for. Darkseid is trying to eliminate the newest new god. But the extremely furious, yes, we hate us too because they're making jokes, furious jokes. Zoo crew is determined to reach their long foretold Captain Carrot first before friendship ruins everything. Maybe I just like, you know. Don't you like lost me at Captain Carrot, but I <laughs> am intrigued by what the hell there's might end that's up That's never going to go. That's never going to get votes to go, dude. Yeah. That's never going to make it. Uh, Superboy, the man of tomorrow. Determined to find his place in a strange universe, Connor Kent Superboy leaves Earth behind, but his journey of self-discovery brings him face-to-face -face with a group of freedom fighters who challenge not just everything Connor stands for, but what it means to to bear the Superman crest versus Cyborg, Cyber Gods. Cyborg has grown so powerful, he no longer needs to leave his cold metal lair. He fights the good fight, but only virtually with Cyborg replicas. When the supervillain Gizmo and Clarion the Witch Boy. What? That's some throwback, DC. That's way back. Man, we are really some, making some polls here. I need some motherfuckers on Social Security to explain these to everybody. Because those, those are some old-ass DC characters. Uh, they mix magic and tech. They become powerful technomancers. 
which that's a fun spin. Cyborg is joined by Beast Boy, who tries to remind him of his true power, his human spirit. Cyborg must reconnect with his human side and face the world, or Gizmo will become an omnipotent, uh, unchallenged cyber god, and Clarion will get what he's always wanted, chaos and destruction. I mean, that sounds pretty dope, too. That the sounds Super pretty Boy cool. The Superboy book sounds stupid, but this looks... No, I mean, awesome. I, was, I was about to say that... I feel bad for the Connor Kent character because he's kind of been lost in the shuffle after uh, John Kent has kind of taken over that wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, he was never cool like John, though. I mean, he had his moments. Yeah. He's a character that enough people like, and once again, you're just you're being a huge wrong. asshole about this. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I can only speak from my own personal. I mean, if we're fair enough. But that being said, if I'm picking one of these two, I definitely would go with the cyborg one because it just oh, sounds like there's a lot going on there. You know? Yeah, there's a whole lot going on there. Of course, you love Connor, Gabe. <laughs> just yeah, it turns out you're just a piece of shit, Gomer. I does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's definitely some winners in here. Uh, let's go real quick. It's Hawkman and Hawkwoman versus Wildcat. The Questions versus Constantine and the Demon. Suicide Squad Dark versus Justice League Redacted. Justice League Redacted might be growing on me. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, Firestorm, Fourth World Problems versus Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. The Speed of Fear is Reverse Flash melds with Parallax. Okay, that's all you need to know. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing, apparently. <laughs> uh, Black Canary, When Canaries Cry, versus Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever. Uh, that one sounds okay. Uh, DC Horror Presents, Ghost Tour from Hell, versus Animal Man, The Metamorphosis. Green Lantern, Birth of Conspiracy. That one got my vote. That sounds awesome. Uh, no, I don't think Clarence was... Oh, Dial H for Hero? Uh, yeah, maybe. And who knows? Everybody shares villains, especially at DC. Um, well, everywhere. But then Green Lantern, The Birth of Conspiracy versus Captain Carrot uh, and his best friend Darkseid. It's a good title, you know. Captain <laughs> and his best friend Darkseid is cool. I mean, so. that could... It, it depends <laughs> on the kind of, like, seriousness with which they take themselves. That could be yeah. interesting. But that Green Lantern ding does sound pretty hard to beat. Yeah, Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow versus Cyborg, Cyber God. So that one sounds cool too. The Cyborg, yeah. Cyber Gods. Okay, so do you want to just like go through each of these and say who we would vote for? Oh, well, dude, we should have done that when I was just going through. I'm sure. Well, yeah, uh, that's what we were doing. But bad, then you just kept bad. on going. But sorry, uh, Hawk, Hawk. Yeah, the where is it? Hawkman, Hawk Hawkman, Hawkwoman versus Wildcat. I'd vote Wildcat. I'd go with Wildcat on that one, too. Yeah, I that just sounds think like a cool one. He's you can tell, like, a cool, gritty period. story about him, you know? That's what he's I figured this probably is, is, like, kind of like a pulpy, noir type thing. Yeah, he's only got one life to live. You know, it sounds cool. Uh, the Questions versus Constantine and the Demon. This is a tough matchup. That's a tricky to, one. I'm not sure which one. Both of these books. Yeah, I kind of wish we could, like, pair one of these up with someone else and I could vote for both of these. But yeah. if I have to pick one, it's probably going to be Constantine and the Demon. Because we don't know who's writing, the writer would really matter to me for this. That is true. But we don't. I think that's by design. Again, I think that's by design. I just seem to um, lean more towards that one because those are two characters that we could, you know, have, I think, richer character interactions with. Yeah. it's I can't vote against Constantine and, you know, Etrigan. I can't do it. Uh, next one, Suicide Squad Dark versus Justice League Redacted. These kind of sound like the same thing to me, basically. I'm not voting for Vampire Batman. 
That's a good point. That yeah, vampire Justice Batman is kind of ruined that. So yeah, if I have, if we're going for one of these like hard ass teams or whatever, I guess let's go with Justice League uh, Redacted. Yeah. Green Arrow running a Justice League Black Ops team sounds fucking dope. That could be interesting. That sounds cool, dude. Uh, Firestorm Fourth World Problems versus Kid Flash's Speed of Fear. I'm sorry, Reverse Flash melds a parallax. You'll never sell me on that. Uh, Firestorm. Even though I'm not really even a fan of Firestorm. Yeah, you're just dumping all over. I'm actually surprised here. But yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I'd probably go with that too, just because that just sounds like someone's fever dream. You know, like reverse <laughs> flash fused okay. with parallax. Right. Uh, Black Canary, When Canaries Cry versus Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever. Uh, this is basically what happened to the Green Lantern Corps with Jon Stewart. Uh, this is a tough one again. If I yeah, I kind of like the both of these. Team was. I, I wish we do. could pair one of these against that last one because they would definitely both beat that last one. Captain Carrot one coming up. Yeah. Okay, but if I have to pick one, I think I'm going to go with Black Canary. Yeah, I would not want to go with the Green Lantern one here. I think there's a really good opportunity to tell a grizzled old John. He's already like a grizzled old man. Imagine when he's actually a grizzled old man. Yeah, that could be really cool. Again, yeah. I think that both of these have some legs to stand on. Yeah, but... me too. And that Black Widow book's ending, so this would be a great pickup. You know, the Black mm. Canary. Uh, DC Horror presents Ghost Tour from Hell and Animal Man Metamorphosis. Uh, I love Madame Xanadu. I love Etrigan. I love Dead Man. But I'm really intrigued by what they mean with this Animal Man book. And this is I a love tricky one for me. So much. I want to see more Animal Man. I would love to see more Animal Man. This is tricky for me, but I honestly think I would go with the Ghost Tour one with Xanadu, Dead Man, and uh, Etrigan. Honestly, that sounds like the most intriguing out of all the ones that I've heard here. Yeah, that's not cool. That's, I mean, that's not terrible, but I just. The book no, I get it. Me. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Green Lantern, The Birth of Conspiracy versus Captain Carrot, probably the easiest choice here. That's a slam dunk. I mean, yeah, this is dunk. this is the one seed against the 16 seed. What the fuck are they doing here? You yeah. know? Uh, Green Lantern, The Birth of Conspiracy, 1947, uh, Conspiracy Theories about Aliens and Alan Scott. That's all I need. Holy shit. Holy shit. Alan Scott's a character I'd love to see more you know, circulation for in the DC. Yeah, well, universe. they were going to do it. They were going to try to do it with the whole 5G thing, but never mind. I don't eh, yeah. About that. Well, let's uh, not, let's not dig up that corpse. Yeah, no shit. And then finally, uh, the last matchup here, Superboy, the man of tomorrow. Uh, yep. Good old Connor versus cyborg cyber gods. Got to go for cyber gods here. As much as I don't shit on Connor like you, but yeah, yeah. I think I need to go with cyborg here. Yeah, it just sounds like a cooler sort of story. Uh, and it also sounds like there could be some cool character interaction there. Because and we've some hit, good relevance. Yeah, they're, they're pulling in Beast Boy, and I don't know much about Clary on the Witch Boy, except that he, I know his design <laughs> is very memorable. But Yeah, and Gizmo, you know, just yeah. pulled out. You could have pulled any, there are like 20 different Batman characters who do technology shit, okay? You could have pulled any one of those. Uh, so yeah, that'll be fun. We'll have updates on that as we go. We're skipping new Shang-Chi, and we're talking about Moon Knight. Uh, get in there with your Moon Knight questions, comments, whatever. Um, basically, uh, episode one, the goldfish problem. Basically, Mark Spector, a mercenary who has disassociative identity disorder, is drawn into a deadly mystery involving Egyptian gods with his multiple identities, such as Stephen Grant. Um, my first impression, uh, Stephen is an immediately likable character. Uh, yeah. I mean, damn, what an actor. You know, yeah. he really pulled it off. Oscar Isaac really had to carry this whole episode because it really sure. was just him, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing his whole lovable schlub routine. But then occasionally he blacks out and wakes up and he's done some sort of outrageous violence, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. Um, it was interesting kind of getting the perspective of the harmless personality that uh, yeah. Moon Knight has under Would his you belt. you immediately feel compassion for him because he feels yeah. like a guy who maybe it feels like he's unlucky, you know, and there's that sort of appeal. He just seems like a normal guy, but he's going through some shit. Yeah, he's like um, having all this hard luck with his dating life. And um, I guess we aren't supposed to know this yet, but that's definitely not a real mom that he's talking to there. Yeah. And uh, there's like this mystery surrounding it. And this is one of the problems I had with it. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But Steven slash Mark, they also are having this mystery. They don't know what's going on, just like the audience doesn't going on. So there's, again, that immediate connection. Yeah, I think and that I was really a clever think, way to do it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's for a good sure. way to draw the audience in. If we just like start off with like, here's Mark Spector. He um, he was a mercenary. He died. He came back. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I feel like the, the show doesn't really have as much bite to it. I feel like it was a, I think it was the right decision to on with this first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way they presented it was just cool. Uh, reflections had a lot going on. Uh, this show, they actually hired uh, a psychologist to be on on set. So they would deal with the DID and other mental um, disorders and things that the show was dealing with with respect. And I really think they 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 pulled that off. But they also used mirrors a lot to sort of show. The one thing that I think of that did it really well was Fight Club. There's a scene where he's going by a mirror and like the he looks, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it sort of builds from like the very first scene, there's a mirror. And then at one point, he, there's a reflection in a puddle. And when he's at the museum at one point, there's a reflection. And it turns out to be a guy looking at him through a glass, you know. And then at the end, when he's in the bathroom and he's literally talking to himself, um, I've just read some articles from people who have disorders like this and they're like, it just really nailed how you can go into a manic episode from not from being, you know, not in a manic episode to having one and how it, how the show did that. And wow, that's just marvelous. It's just amazing how they were able to do that. You know? Yeah. Very impressive stuff. Yeah. And there's again, you know, with the reflection when he's sort of cracking into two different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then no shoe, of course, who's this boogeyman in white? Uh, my wife had no idea. And I think, she yeah, apparently that's, uh, more. that's Jeff Murray. Abraham, I yeah. think is the voice, which yeah. I was not expecting going in, uh, but... which is really cool. His, he's actually Syrian. His, his dad is first generation American who was born and immigrated from Syria, uh, during the famine in the forties or whatever. Uh, and that's another thing about the casting here that I think I, they were pretty, you know, thoughtful, uh, with the diversity and and everything going on, it's an yeah. Egyptian god, so they pick someone who's you know from sort of the that area, you know. Um, yeah. Gabriel, I think I saw you say you'd have liked it more if you didn't know who Moon Knight was. How so? Excellent. That's exactly what I was going to get into. Okay, so there is a mystery surrounding this, right? What is going on with Mark and this other guy, Stephen? There's two guys. Well, if you've read the comics, you kind of know that there is this sort of duality to the character. That is true. Honestly, I was conflicted about whether or not this would be better to go in completely blind yeah. or already knowing. Because you and I already knowing what's going on, they're basically setting up a big reveal that we already know. Yes, exactly. And who is this, this boogeyman in white? Well, it, 
they never mention his name in the first episode, but I know who he is because yeah. I've read the comics. I know exactly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and they are uh, using the imagery for Konchu there that was established, um, I think, Lemire. during uh, Jeff Lemire's run. Yeah, yeah, Lemire Smallwood's run, which I've recently – I didn't read the whole thing. I did gloss over it. So, yeah, that's what I mean, Gabriel. There is a mystery to this first episode. Right, just in the same way that Mark slash Steven really have no idea what's going on. They understand something weird is going on, but they don't have the full breadth of it. The viewer at home following along with that is sharing in that journey because they don't know what's going on either. They have the mystery as well. Because I know the mystery, I, I know what's going on because I've read the comics. I know exactly where things are going to end up. I didn't get to go along. I'm already there. And I think half of the fun of this first episode anyway was going along for that ride. So in this case, yes, ignorance is fucking bliss because my wife had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. So it's hard to gauge. It's hard to have that perception. As long as it hooks you, I feel like it is probably oh, better to go in blind. But I, yeah. what I mean for like for the person who doesn't know what's going on, oh, sure. if you are not hooked in by this first episode, it was just a big muddle of confusion, you know, and – yeah, that kind of sucks. But if it is hooking so. you, I think I think the muddle of confusion goes along with um, the lead character himself being that's a fair point. As confused, you know, I yeah. think that's that's the magic of this first episode is the audience is going along with with you know Mark slash Stephen for this first episode, and it's a unique experience to so the MCU. Moon Knight has no connection; he's brand spanking. Um. Yeah, this this was great. I had a great yeah, I very much enjoyed really it. Um, and you know, even though we do know the whole like uh, what's going on with Steven thing, yeah. I am intrigued by what's going on with uh, Stephen Hawk's character, Arthur. I think they said his name was Ethan Hawk. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who he is from the comics, so that is new to me. Well, there's definitely some character, I mean, and they're pulling from all different eras, you know, different parts here and there. Um, but yeah, he's like the leader of this cult or whatever that and we'll see what happens. That was but. a really interesting establishment shot they did for him where he's like grinding up the glass and pouring it into his shoes and like, whoa, this yeah. dude is like hardcore, like flagellating himself, basically like equivalent. Yeah, well, he's yeah, you can tell that it's you can tell that there's this spiritual aspect to it. You know, this religious. Yeah, sort of there's aspect. like you can tell he's going through like a ritual. Um, what's that called when like you're a type of monk that like you purposely I, hurt yourself? I saw that movie with with Tom Hanks, but I do not remember. It was actually the dude who plays uh, <laughs> um, Vision, who was that monk in that movie. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, uh, in uh, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. In the, is the se- one of the sequel to the, or was it the first? That one? was the first one. I, I think it's got Paul Bettany up. as the. Yeah, uh, Paul Bettany. As the albino assassin <laughs> himself, this yeah. is weird, dude. But uh, yeah, on Moon Knight, though, uh, fantastic first episode. I did not not enjoy it. I did have a great time. I just feel like it, if I didn't know anything, I would. That's an interesting thing, though. Yeah, like you only get to make like one first impression, and it's curious to think about, right? Like, how would I have experienced it differently? if I didn't know the answer to one of the key questions of this first episode. Exactly. Yeah. That being said, I still very much enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Um, I hope that 
they continue to keep up this level of quality, you know? Yeah, and it's only six episodes, so it's... And, hey, I'm relieved by that. I, it's basically I, a movie. It's basically, like, just a really long movie, you know? I, I well, imagine... I mean, it'd be like a six-hour movie, but, yeah. Well, well, I imagine... Well, no, they're not... I don't think they're all going to be an hour. Well, in any event, though... But um, I imagine it's like a director's cut of a movie. You know, you're going to get that's all, fair enough, all yeah. that depth, you know, to it. Um, I I prefer it when the show sets a appropriate length. You know, it doesn't try to like artificially extend itself. And when it's only six Netflix episodes, shows. yeah, I would definitely think that that's probably going to be the case. Like Loki, I think was only six episodes, right? Yeah, the Netflix I feel like that was shows, the perfect length for that. The Netflix shows do that, dude. They did the hell out of that. Way too many episodes for those seasons. Yeah, have. not everything needs like twelve or thirteen episodes. You know. So yeah, so the next six weeks, well, five more weeks, we'll talk about Moon Knight every week. Very excited uh, to just really dig into this show, man. So awesome! Let's do food real quick. Mmm, yummy. Kind of a gross one this week. Um, oh man, I know. I don't know. It might be all right. Actually, um, yeah, this doesn't look that all that terrible. Uh, Kellogg's new look: uh, frosted flakes, strawberry milkshake. Frosted Flakes Cinnamon French Toast and Frosted Flakes Chocolate. These are all coming in May. They make your milk different colors. Um, I was about to ask if that was the shtick here. but That is the shtick here, yes. Make, it makes your milk flavored. Uh, so, yeah, look for these on store shelves or on I mean, digital shopper. This honestly doesn't seem terrible <laughs> to me. These all seem like pretty good flavors. I don't... I've never considered strawberry flavored frosted flakes before, but chocolate and cinnamon seem like, you know, obvious things to pull. I would definitely have to try them. There's like a consistency to frosted flakes once you get like a big smushy spoonful, you know? Yeah. That speaks to the original just sugar flavor. Having other shit in there, uh, you know what I mean? That smushy ball of flake i see what you're saying but you like what i mean from a flavor standpoint i feel like a frosted flake is like a blank canvas for you oh to there you on, go that you're painting you know? your breakfast on i'm just there's not much to frosted flakes so <laughs> like any flavor you add isn't going to necessarily yeah. have to you know mix with the existing flavor uh, you're right you're right so there you go new frosted flakes coming uh no moment of destruction this week even though i did Starscream, they did announce a few new toys. Uh, we usually don't talk about those. There were well, a you can mention them real quick. What toys are they announcing? Uh, they they just announced the they have different lines, and this is the lowest line they got. These will be 12 bucks. They got a Thundercracker, and I don't know. The Thundercracker was really cool, but that's I don't have images of them. I, I kind of knew Adam wasn't going to be here. They did announce this here. I'll, I could show this off because I did want to bring something The Rise of the Beast, the new poster, all these inking sort of. I don't know if that's appropriation of a name. Is that not coming out till next year now? Yeah, they've moved it. They've moved it again. They were hmm. worried, dude, because I mean, and they were kind of right. Look at China right now. China's done shut down different parts of the country again. Um, and that's their market for Transformers. They've got to have a one. Yeah, I mean, they sent that uh, afraid Chinese market. Yeah, they sent that one with the Dino bots like in China, didn't they? Yeah, and that's why. You know, that's yeah, yeah, because they they need those Chinese dollars to make Transformers work. And um, yeah, they want to make sure that China is wide open and people are not afraid to go to the movies. So they're waiting. And it's hard to blame them. You know, that's their big market. So uh, that's cool, though. I'm stoked for that. Anything, anything Transformers I'm into. 
so yeah, so nothing else. There was a Transformers book, and there was the uh, G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures. Both were just okay. Uh, Saturday Morning Adventures is just a whole shit ton of fun. So, uh, But hopefully we'll talk about those again after. Adam's probably in the middle of moving. You know, he's really trying to get out of his apartment. So that's a lot of dominoes you got to set up, and it's hard to do. That's true. Yeah, I had I had a lot of help. Yeah, I mean, you've got your army of minions there, right? Yeah. So I. Why do you even have kids if they're not going to help you move? No shit. That's why I don't mow my grass anymore. Uh, But yeah, let's see if Taylor can pull top three out of his ass this week. I really can't. (laughs) It was a really weird week. For comics i don't know if there were well problems i was talking stores. to gomer before the show that yeah um when i got to the shop this week it was pretty slim pickings a lot of the uh books were already gone i don't know if a bunch of spec people got in before i could get there or what but i only <laughs> able i only got three books and like yeah. two of them are things that would not be on a top three most weeks i didn't read much spec this week i mean maybe immortal that last page cliffhanger but i don't see that causing a big hubbub anyway uh i'll go first then uh i wanted to mention dark ages number six very good finale to that uh, i also wanted to mention batman where the hell is it batman uh beyond the white knight uh sean murphy doing some really good stuff in here with just design work you know throwback stuff notice like you know it's uh, dick and and bruce sitting here old man you know talking i really like the the like reflection imagery there. That's, That's really cool. what I wanted to point out. Yeah, beautiful just imagery there that he's doing. He does it again here with old man Batman and this new Joker who's getting over. If you're a fan of this series, you know who this Joker is. You know what's going on. But look, them, you know, they're in the shadows fighting. Um, just really fun book. Really cool. Um, but really fast. My number three was the underdog uh, out of nowhere. Cities of Magic by Scout Comics. This is from Jacob Free and Will Tempest. It's basically a post-apocalyptic world after an EMP stops all technology, right? But then a few years later, humans on like an archaeological dig find a thing that brings magic into the world, right? And then eventually in the next you know few years, magic becomes ubiquitous over the whole planet. So 150 years later, and now... Like the new hipster thing to do is not use magic. So there's a dude who's like using guns and using like a lighter. You know what I so mean? So like using guns and a lighter is like the equivalent it's, of like an obnoxious weeb showing up with yes, a katana. Yes. Uh, the art is just okay, but this was just really well-crafted comic, right? It just threw you right into this world, did all the heavy lifting of world building, but did it in such a really very just professional way comic this is like comic book how to you know in like five pages it builds you this entire world through both the imagery and the story with not a lot of words but just spot on comic booking in this issue and yeah i was really into it and then they hit me with this hipster you know use of the gun and i'm like oh yeah that's fucking fun that's just stupid and i love it so kind of a weird portal story, but not really a little twist. Yeah, it sounds it. fun. It does. Yeah. A twist on that sort of, you know, story. So, uh, yeah, that was my dark horse. Number three this week. I couldn't believe it. It's scout comics, but it was a dark horse in, in terms of what I thought was going to be dope. So we get it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I get that. You know, you don't want to go ahead. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I guess I can't really back up much what I'm saying here because I guess by default, my number three is Iron Fist number two. Um, oh, okay. And don't pull up an image for it. It wasn't actually all I that good. Have, I don't I mean, it wasn't. One. It wasn't bad. It was just yeah. a lot of explanation. You know, there's so, still ex- the we first see our issue you said did that a lot. Yeah, like it's one of those things where like everyone is like, "Oh, hey there, your full proper name." Oh, That's yeah. right, your full proper name. And so the uh, audience knows who they. Talk yeah, about. he had like a, we had a bit of a training montage for the new Iron Fist, and the old Iron Fist is still trying to figure out who the new Iron Fist is. And it's better I don't to know. put in insets, you know, and have their name, and then have something snarky about who they are. I know, would agree. Name. So it could have been handled better. That being said, it's not bad. I mean, yeah. it's a perfectly fine comic, but. It's cool. pretty mediocre and would not have made a top three in most weeks. Yeah. Uh, cool. That was your number three. Uh, my number two, I mean, just out of nowhere, Shadow War Alpha number one. Joshua Williamson and Victor Bogdanovich. All right. Are you ready for this shit, Taylor? I actually could have gotten this one. And I just you didn't should think have picked this up. It was fucking insane. All right. Ra's al Ghul was on an island, right? At the end, in the Robin book, and also in in an, like the prologue or epilogue or whatever to one of the Batman issues, right? So he's going to turn himself into the authorities, and him and Talia are going to go like try to help the world, okay? But really, this is all about Damien and Bruce, all right? Because as Roz and Talia are doing their press conference. He's assassinated. Bullet through the head. Boom. And it turns out it's Deathstroke. <gasps> or is it? Notice Deathstroke got the old costume, right? Notice that? He's got the old costume? Yeah. Moving on. So Deathstroke going to finish it. No Ra's al Ghul body. Nothing for the Lazarus pit. Okay? And throws a grenade over there. And Damien is just running to get the grenade. And Bruce stops him. You can't do that, right? You said he's made, he made a judgment call. And look at the emotion in Damien's face as his grandfather is blown, not coming back. Just awesome. But it was Bruce's fault, right? And he's like, I made a call, you know, because you're my son, damn it. You know, Bruce telling Damien. And then him and Bruce have this conversation. And Damien I would say it's more Deathstroke's fault, but whatever. Oh, no, that, certainly. But in that moment, you know, it was definitely... He stopped Damien. He, he like that's true. But to protect his son instead. It of, looks. It looks to me like Damien certainly died if Bruce had not done that. Well, maybe, maybe Damien don't care. He's mad, right? So then they just go back and forth. You know, Damien's like, I lost two grandfathers. You know, uh, and it, because of your actions, I lost both. You know, my grandfathers. Like here, I lost two grandfathers because of your choices. And then Bruce in. Just classic Batman fashion should never talk. Says if I was there, if I was the I mean, one honestly, I saved Alfred. Honestly, I was thinking that right as you were quoting him there. Oh. Damien might be projecting a little bit when it comes to Alfred because it was arguably Damien's fault what know, happened to Alfred. I know, but still, Bruce should not say this to his young son. Yeah, that is brutal. That even is if it is brutal. probably, even if it's true, that is a savage thing to say. Just savage, dude. All right, so Damien is hunting Deathstroke. He's pissed. But Talia has gotten all of these motherfucking Ra's al Ghul henchmen from around the globe together. 
and they're going to take down Deathstroke. So then it goes to Deathstroke, and Deathstroke's like, oh, shit, he's just reading it on the news, <laughs> right? He's like, that wasn't me. That's my old costume. But Talia's like, nope, I don't care, and he's going to kick his ass. Dude, this was awesome, and mostly because of Damien. That does sound Bruce. pretty cool. Like, um, yeah. Deathstroke versus the League of Assassins. That actually right. sounds pretty rad. Right. Mostly yeah, maybe I should go back and try the, to look for this. Yeah, mostly because of the Damien and Bruce shit. Because Bruce saying, if I was there, I, I would have saved Alfred. <gasps> I, I, I audibly gasped. You know, audibly. <gasps> yeah, right. <laughs> he should have let that boy die. Uh, no, I, I get it. He should not have let Damien die. Batman probably did the right thing here, but he sure, certainly shouldn't have said that I would have saved Alfred if I was there. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. you, Bruce. That's some low shit. But yeah, I audibly guess. Even if that might be true, that is the worst you thing you could have said it. to him. Yeah. You don't say it. Uh, but yeah, fantastic issue. And yeah, I'm probably going to read the rest of this shit, man. They got me. Joshua Williamson got me. So, yeah, it's like three different series, I think. I'm reading Robin anyway, but I'll have to read Batman and I think the Deathstroke book. So, yeah, it was great. It was really fun. So, that was my number two. Does Taylor even have two more books? Um, I guess by default, my number two is that uh, X-Men uh, Latitude book. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I don't have that either. That was a digital first. Uh, it was yeah, fun. it's a neat story. It is true. It was a good story. It really was. I mean, it was Hickman writing it, so of course it was pretty good. But yeah, it is, of course, something that was meant for your phone screen. Yeah, or a computer screen. And nothing wrong with that. It doesn't. Nothing wrong with it. Well. But but you know, if you are gonna read it, it's probably better to read it that way. Yeah. You just kind of have to like go from like side to side to side for all the panels here. But yeah. Well, there you go. There's a good uh, leads us to our number one book, and I say our because there's no way this isn't. I mean, I, yeah, it has to be uh, Immortal X Men number one. Uh, and not just because it's the only thing he read. This was <laughs> amazing. It was really good. I mean, awesome, dude. This is Kieran Gillen, um, and it's a Mister Sinister book. And that's really all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, X Men might be the flagship X book. But this book, at least from this first issue, it appears like it's going to be doing the steering for the rest of the line. You know what I mean? They dug into everything that is going on in X-Men. This almost felt like sort of a recap of the entire first like part of the new Krakoan status quo. You know what I mean? They covered all kinds of shit in this. They did, yeah. Beautiful art by Lucas Wernick. You know, a throwback here for Mystique. Um, and again, all sinister. Just he was so funny throughout this, so witty, getting lost in his own votes. Oh, I'm gonna take my vote back at one point on the Quiet Council. Just hilarious. That was a cool moment, yeah. Because like this whole time he's been just doing this shit-eating grin the whole time. You know, he's like, I've got it all yeah. planned out. And then like something goes out that he wasn't expecting, like, oh fuck, and like yeah. he has to, you know look like an idiot in front of everyone but uh book did go there uh it, i guess it's basically saying that the jesus uh character from uh christian religion uh is a was a mutant uh okay uh that may not necessarily be true because of exodus here being kind yeah, of i mean they really gave themselves guy. yeah they made the reference they i feel like they made like the hot button take but then also yeah gave themselves room to say oh no well exodus is just wrong about that he, exactly. he misunderstood exodus, 
be in Exodus. Yeah. It's part of his character, not part of continuity or canon. You know, it's just part of his uh, story. But uh, Hope joining the uh, Quiet Council. That's basically the crux. That's basically the A to the B here. Um, Magneto uh, opened the book by leaving the Quiet Council, which we knew was going to happen. And by the end, we get Hope. But in the middle, it's just a whole lot of awesome uh, character moments with Mr. Sinister anchoring basically the whole thing. Um, just very well done, very well constructed, it's very entertaining. I was just entertained the whole time, just laughing and, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, just wonderfully done. I mean, it's kind of crazy that we've gotten to the point where the X-Men books are throwing, like, fashion galas and, like, yeah. fucking, this one is just politics. And yeah, there's it, no fighting in this at all. There's a big monster, but they literally never throw a punch at this monster. The monster blows something up. But that's the only action in the whole book. That's it. As far as I remember, there was no fighting in this book at all. Um, which is but to answer to your say. question, uh, Gabriel, yeah, it seems like anytime they do these uh, digital uh, stories, they do eventually put them out on print. Yeah, and even if they're not going to print them individually, eventually they will collect them all in a trade. Um, I think the one that Taylor got even though that was like the first one they did. So maybe they are just going to come out, you know, staggered on a schedule, but I know it was really popular. I know everybody in, in my circles was talking about it, you know, just cause it was Hickman. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Uh, so what do you think about hope joining the quiet council? Uh, I think it's a conflict of interest. Yeah. Um, I mean, she made a decent argument for it, but I don't, her know. argument was basically blackmail. To an extent, and not quite as much as Superior was doing, and she indeed followed up on that blackmail at the end. But yeah. um, I like her too; she's great. She was a lot of fun. That was a good pull. Like she's a yeah. mutant. She's a pretty powerful mutant that we don't often think about, and indeed the externals are a thing we don't often think about. But um, yeah. well, Apocalypse murdered them all in yeah in uh, Excalibur. Uh, and that's another thing about this book. It's pulling a lot from recent continuity. So it almost feels like a payoff almost um, to longtime readers. But there's also like the way the story is told and broken down, especially with the infographics in the back. Um, the fact that they were thinking about bringing, bringing brand in, you know, that sort of thing. Beast. Oh, yeah. Um, I had to, I had to honestly raise like, the idea of Abigail Brand, we know that she's actually on fucking Orcus right yeah, now. Yeah, they're gonna bring her under the into the con into Congress, basically. basically yeah, that like, was oh, that was wild. crazy. Like I knew it wasn't gonna actually happen, but the idea that Brand yeah. would end up being on the Quiet Council that would have that was a genius thing to include. Like them even yeah. considering her. Yeah, uh, but all those. Things I also like the thing where like um, uh, Nightcrawler talked about Beast. Like, remember when Beast yeah. was fun? Yeah, and not like this huge asshole. Abigail? Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like him and Kitty having like this little click girl talk thing on the side, gossiping, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think that was, was also really fun. Yeah, that was also a really <laughs> clever way to kind of acknowledge like the shifting characterization of someone like Beast. You know that that was a pull from like X Men past in a lot of ways because yeah. yeah, Beast used to be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. Swinging, you know, stars and garters. Yeah, all kinds of fun shit. But and then there were the sinister secrets, right? Which were again. Yes, sort of recapping. Yes, sort of guiding us through this single issue, but also sort of teasing things to come. You're like, oh, shit, is that going to happen? You know what I mean? Just, yeah, this book had everything. Uh, I, I thought it was easily the best book of the week. And that cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, and the big pull at the end. Where Sinister is fucking, <sighs> Jesus. 
he's cloning Moira with her mutant power. So he basically controls the timeline. If this is true, we, I don't know. The whole I think they also f- implied that like, he's been able to uh, replicate his consciousness through her timelines as well. So like yes. he has, she's not the only one who's been experiencing all of her past lives. He's been doing so as well. Yes. That also, is insane. It was also an interesting point to bring up, you know, that like, um, he uh sorry she's reading that real quick yeah she but, is terrible but i love her that's why i love oh her. she's all a piece of shit but like all mutants get a pass now all mutants get a pass being now. a piece of shit is not something that precludes you from being on the council i mean they have like fucking sebastian shaw and yeah. like sinister and mystique yeah. on the council so but um i did like that kind of jab you made it's like okay so you lived through 10 lives you call that a sample size fuck that yeah. <laughs> like he's apparently he's lived through like hundreds thousands who knows and the thing about that is he still doesn't know things he still got this vote wrong he's still like destiny why do you not have the do you know what's going to happen she's like that's not how my powers work and it's like was moira wrong the whole time with we can't have precogs or maybe was that the point the only point to not have precogs was destiny knew what she was actually doing um yeah, I don't know, dude, but still, fantastic issue. The, the the way it's making us ask these questions and be concerned for the future, you know, is it's just another testament to how damn good the book is. So, Yeah, I mean, Krakoa's status quo has been going strong enough now for a long enough now that we are genuinely invested in the fucking yeah. political aspect of what's oh, going dude. on here, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, so... Uh, there's going to be more of those because they come out every week. You know, they're just getting into the whole uh, the whole Destiny of X thing, and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Thanks everybody for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Uh, check out the comic book bullies. They got a show up here that uh, th- will probably be on tonight. You know, it just depends on it, extenuating circumstances, but usually on this channel. Uh, but you can go to outrightgeekery.com. Get links to everything they got going on, plus everything we've got going on here. Uh, there's swag merch, all kinds of, you know, stupid shit up there. Um, we'll be back tomorrow night for our preview show. We're going to talk about all of the new books coming out next week. Cannot wait for that. My favorite show of the week. Uh, David should be here for that. Uh, again, thanks everybody for hanging out. We really appreciate it. But most of all, thanks to this dude for hanging out with this guy. Oh, glad to do it. We're going to do it again next time. Same geek time, same geek channel. Getting better, better, better. I mean, I do my best. You've been practicing in the mirror. I can tell. Well, don't tell anyone. <laughs>